What kind of a leader are you? Are you the knower who has to have all the answers? The one who everyone comes to with the questions? Or are you a learner, willing to ask the tough questions, seek help, and resist having all the answers? Well, your answers to these questions can make a big difference on whether others will want to be led by you. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. So a common complaint of many leaders is that lack of collaboration in their organizations. They're concerned that their employees are siloed. And of course, this is such a big concern with remote working. So what's the problem here? Is it that no one is willing to help anyone else? Is it a dog-eat-dog world when it comes to work? Is it everyone has got it all figured out? They don't need help? So, um, no. The research indicates that people are totally willing to help one another out at work, and most people really want to be collaborative um, because, of course, it makes work much more enjoyable, but something is getting in the way um, of collaboration. So what is it? So when we look to the research, the thing that gets in the way for most of us is that we aren't willing to ask for help. So we try and go it alone when it comes to work, when it comes to projects, when it comes to questions, and when it comes to progressing in our careers, and we're worse off for it. And obviously, this is not a winning formula. So today, I really want to focus on why you need to ask for help and the difference it will make in your leadership journey. And also, I want to dig into the details of how to ask for help, because how you ask for help actually matters. So sometimes it can seem harder than you might think to ask for help, and there are some reasons. So few of us are actually asking for help, right? I mean, there's a reason There's this is a barrier. So of course, each week, my goal is to help you strengthen your confidence to lead, and I try and do that in one of three areas. So whether that's leading with clarity, leading with curiosity, or leading with community, And this week, the focus is really on helping you lead with community. And of course, you're not meant to lead alone. We all need community to strengthen our leadership. And this podcast, of course, is all about leading with community and why asking for help will make you a better leader. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we want to pursue what matters. We want to strengthen our leadership and asking for help will make a big difference. So first, let's start with understanding why you might fail to ask for help in the first place, because this is a real issue for a lot of organizations. And again, 
This is only heightened with remote work. And so many of us are working remotely right now and people are more disconnected than ever um, from their colleagues, from supervisors, and there's just fewer touch points. And so it's a really important issue to pay attention to. Um, and so, you know, let's think about why why we might um, be failing to ask for help. And so, you know, first is that, and this I think is, you know, probably fairly obvious to most of us, um, but it's a it's a big one. It's an important one. Is that asking for help is often perceived as a sign of weakness, which is a bummer. Um, this is especially true if you were raised in Western cultures, especially America, where rugged individualism is valued above all out all else. So, right, like I know for me as a child of the rural West, um, I was often taught, whether explicitly or implicitly, to rub some dirt on it. I mean, I'm telling you, that was definitely the message to me growing up when I was hurt or in need of help. It's just like toughen up. Like, I don't want to see any tears. Like, I actually remember lots of times hearing that um, from mostly my dad, I think. And he's he's a tender heart, but man, like also kind of gruff. So um, now what was also true was that when there was a true need, there was no better people to have your back. But there was also some serious rugged independence and asking for help could definitely be seen as a sign of weakness. So you needed to be in serious trouble as in like you exhausted every alternative to be asking for help. And so those, you know, those messages are hard to overcome. And um, that upbringing can be challenging to overcome. And so culturally, especially if you're um, in the U.S. or, you know, you've come to the U.S., that that cultural dynamic is powerful. And so that might be one reason you're hesitant to ask for help because you might be perceiving it as a sign of weakness. The second reason you might fail to ask for help is that there can be a fear about being in debt to another person once you've asked for help. And I have heard this one a lot from people. So this fear of reciprocity, right? Like, oh no, now I'm going to owe this person and this you know, this belief of like, oh, it's just easier to struggle through this on my own because I don't want to be in debt to this other person can often come can often go through someone's mind. And so there's a hidden belief that if you ask for help, you will automatically owe someone something. Um, so this tit for tat and, and that sort of thing is, um, you know, I think that's a little bit of a cynical view that help is always um, transactional. And this is one of the hidden beliefs that I'd like to challenge today with the podcast, as it's not really helpful and it can prevent us from building really great networks and relationships with others who can strengthen us and whom we can um, strengthen. So I think that sometimes that can be true, but we kind of want to elevate our relationships beyond just transactional and like, oh, now I'm in debt to this person and um, we don't want 
um, to simplify our relationships just to the lowest common denominator. And so, um, yeah, I just think that's a very cynical view and you can't always run a simple calculation on how you or others may be helpful. And, you know, honestly, we don't want to reduce our interactions with others to that sort of calculation. So, you know, as much as possible, we really want to um, challenge this hidden belief. So, that's one thing we want to work on. And then third, you know, the third reason that you might fail to ask for help, and this, again, is especially true for American workers, is that personal values get in the way. And so, again, this goes back to what I mentioned about rugged individualism. But for Americans especially, the value of self-reliance gets in the way of asking for help. So, right, this belief of I should be able to figure this out on my own. But if we challenge that a little bit, like really should you? Because sometimes you're working on a new project or, um, you know, you're you're new to the company or something like that. Um, it might not be reasonable to expect that you should be able to figure it out on your own. And so um, Wayne Baker, a researcher with University of Michigan, um, found that self-reliance is one of the 10 core values that while admirable can also be very self-limiting. And one of the ways that he found it to be self-limiting is that in today's work environments, you cannot be successful if you don't ask for what you need. And so that is really the truth when it comes to self-reliance. So it's self-reliance can be a really wonderful value, but it can also be very limiting in today's work environment. Because, I mean, if you just think about most of our work environments, they're so incredibly connected and collaborative. And so if you're if one of your highest values is self-reliance, that value is going to undermine you in today's work world. And so um, his research is very interesting and I'm, um, I'm going to be utilizing um, some of his research in today's podcast. I will link to um, some of his research and also I think a video um, of his where he discusses some of his research, but um, he's from University of Michigan. Go Wolverines. Um, I love University of Michigan, did my internship there. So anyway, he's got some really great research on this exact topic. So um, it's it's so important to pay attention to how um, self-reliance may undermine you um, at work because you've got to be able to ask for what you need in order to be successful. So no one will be advocating for your career like you can. No one understands your hopes, your desires, and your unique skills like you do. And also others don't necessarily... Um, recognize what you need to be successful like you do, right? Like they might, um, they might understand some of what you need, um, but you also need to be part of that conversation. So others may care for you, but they will not carry the same awareness that you will. And, you know, by the way, it's not their job 
to carry that responsibility for you. That's your job. Um, You need to be your best advocate. And so this is where I really um, invite you to own your leadership journey, to really be proactive and intentional about um, your leadership journey and really think in terms of clarity of purpose and think about where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And what is the, what is the path that will help you to be successful? And what, what can help you today on that path? And it's okay if you don't have that all figured out. It's okay if you don't have total clarity about that, but really starting to be intentional and proactive about that and really owning, owning that and never, um, never abdicating responsibility for that. Okay. So, um, you know, don't, yeah, don't ever leave your, career development to anyone else. You really, you just have to own your career development. And so um, as a leader, you're the one that others come to for support and help. So this is, um, sorry, this is another reason that you might not ask for help. So this is a fourth reason that you might not ask for help that you're in um, a leadership role. So maybe it's a little bit more of a formal leadership role and you are the one that others come to for support and help. Um, And so if you're not careful, you can make the mistake of believing that you have to have all the answers and that you can't also ask for help. And I am just here to say that would be a big mistake. And so, you know, from her excellent research that is covered in the book, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown and her team um, found the research on the best leaders that first of all, she thought that the most courageous leaders would be the leaders without fear. So meaning, right, like that they would know what to do and that they wouldn't have fear in moving forward on um, their leadership journey. And she was dead wrong about that. The most courageous leader said, I'm afraid all the time. But they didn't um, They didn't get defensive. They didn't have armor up. And so um, they were really effective leaders in terms of emotional intelligence and creating psychological safety for their teams and all of those um, foundational skills. And one of the things that they did really, really well that um, was so effective for their teams and um, it was... It was the best way that she found in the research, the best way to earn trust on a team is to ask for help, which is powerful. So from her research, the best way to earn trust as a team and as a leader is to ask for help. And that might sound kind of um, counterintuitive, But what they discovered in conducting the research is that it's acknowledging vulnerability. First of all, it's acknowledging that no one's perfect. No one has it all figured out. And it's building trust to say, I know you're not going to try and bluff 
and pretend that you have it all figured out, but I know that you're going to trust the team and reach out for help and that we're all in this together and that that had a powerful effect for strengthening the trust and the psychological safety of the team. And so, you know, in a very real way, asking for help makes you a better leader and it strengthens your team. It actually makes the whole team more courageous. It strengthens the psychological safety of the team, which strengthens the culture of the team. And so really, really powerful research there. And then another reason, so this is the um, fifth reason that you may um, be hesitant to ask for help at work is um, that as you move up the leadership ladder, right, the amount of leadership training, formal leadership training you receive actually goes down. So sometimes there can be this assumption of like, oh, you have what you need to be successful as a leader because there's just less of a focus on the process and development of um, leadership as you advance, because the the shift really um, becomes more on um, results and outcome metrics. So there's less daily oversight of your leadership skills, and the focus really shifts to more results and less of the process of leadership development. So you might have more attention on your quarterly returns um, and those sorts of metrics and less daily oversight on those process skills of leadership. And so, you know, if you're not careful, um, that's what's rewarded. And, you know, I'm not trying to say that those aren't important. Of course, they're really important. But the process of leadership development drives the outcome measures. And so if we're only if we're only focusing on outcome measures and not continuing to focus on the process of leadership development, we're going to have a weak system. We're going to have an unbalanced system. And so um, what happens for a lot of new leaders or leaders who are progressing in their leadership development um, and they don't continue to get formal or um, ongoing leadership training is that they... um, they rely more heavily on their deep industry experience. So you might have a lot of industry experience, but most leaders don't have what they really need, which are the specific leadership skills, such as the psychology of leadership. So what are these psychology of leadership skills? So the communication skills, managing teams, giving and receiving feedback, accountability, motivation and goal setting, cultivating strong company culture, the psychological safety, right? All emotional intelligence, all of these psychology of leadership skills, which are so incredibly important. These are the process of leadership skills that, you know, if we're not careful, as you progress on your leadership journey, you're not getting ongoing development in these skills And your feedback 
is your focus is more on the outcome metrics, like your quarterly returns, profit and loss, that sort of thing. And so when you're new to a leadership role, you might, it's very common, right, to feel like you might be sinking, right? This imposter syndrome in a new circumstance, new setting is very, very common. So reference back to my podcast on imposter syndrome, um, if you want a refresher course on that, but you might feel like you're sinking. And so new leaders tend to double down on what they are comfortable with, especially in a new position. And so what are you comfortable with? Well, I'm really good at the industry specific skills because that's probably how you got into this leadership position. And so they double down on the industry specific skills when they really need to be focusing on the psychology of leadership skills. Because as you are progressing on your leadership journey, you need to be developing the skills of leading people, right? But you're not, you're getting less training on that, less, less development on that. And because you're new in your role, you're doubling down on industry-specific skills rather than the psychology of leadership skills. And so talk about unbalance, unbalanced system right there. Really not helpful. And so if you're not careful, you as uh, a new leader, meaning you're not necessarily new leader, but maybe new to this role, you move into being a knower instead of a learner. You don't ask questions. You don't ask for help. You don't seek feedback. This is a real problem. I was just talking to someone um, in my personal life who um, has been working at this job and said, oh, we've got a new um, a new person on the job and it's uh, a new C-level person and um and the the friend that I was talking to said this new um leader really doesn't get it really doesn't get it this new this new c-level person is coming in as the knower talking down to us telling us what to do not even trying to get to know us, not asking us how we're doing, not asking us about our jobs, not asking us about what we're doing, not seeking feedback. Ooh, and as I was listening to my friend tell me about this, I just, I just, oh, it made me so sad because it's a perfect example, potentially, right? Like, I don't know everything that's going on. But it's a perfect example of what happens with so many leaders moving into new roles. It's like, I got to I gotta come in strong. I got to come in hot and heavy and prove that I know what I'm doing in this role. And they double down on these industry-specific skills. They have to be the knower. They have to be the expert. And they piss everyone off. And they're jerks. <laughs> And they're off-putting when actually they really, right? Like 
they already know the industry-specific skills. They wouldn't have ever gotten the job if they didn't know those things. But they need to know how to lead people. They need to know how to collaborate. They need to seek feedback. They need to ask questions. They need to figure out, how do you guys run things here? Help me understand how you do it here. They need the psychology of leadership skills. So whether it's in a new work setting, whether it's just a new role in the same organization, you got to be a learner. You've got to be humble. If you have to be the knower, you might have um, a title that says you are a leader, but you are not a leader. So you really need to be humble and back away from those industry-specific skills. You know them. And I'm not saying that you abandon them. Of course you focus on them. But this is where you strengthen the psychology of leadership skills. This is where you really focus on communication skills, leading teams, giving and receiving feedback, accountability, cultivating strong company culture, asking for help, seeking feedback. Big, big, big shift. So this is a time where you really need to lean into the vulnerability of acknowledging that, right, there might be a gap between where you are and where you want to be in terms of your skills, awareness, and knowledge and get to the business of asking for help. And so the the real theme, the real value that, that we want to guide our actions is humility. No one has it all figured out. And humility will be one of your best assets as a leader. Um, and it will, it will put you in a place where people will want to be led by you if you can be humble. Um, so... Let's think about solutions. Okay, so I've already talked about um, the research from Dare to Lead that the most effective leaders ask for help. We know that's true not only from Dare to Lead research, but also from the um, great research from Wayne Baker and others. Um, The most effective leaders ask for help. So one of the things that happens with that is self-awareness. And so... Leading with curiosity is also one of the themes that is highlighted here. So you gotta you gotta go in to your leadership journey with self-awareness. What are your needs? What are the gaps in your learning? Who and what could help you develop these gaps? So what are your resources? And so it really is so important to have, self-awareness and to cultivate self-awareness. And if you're like self-awareness, like, I don't know, what, how do I develop self-awareness? So have some daily practices that help you cultivate self-awareness. So for me, one of the things I do, I journal every single day. And for me, that's been the best route to cultivate self-awareness. Um, it helps me to see what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I avoiding? What am I feeling anxious about? I can start to recognize themes and patterns in my life and it's super helpful for me Uh, self-awareness you can read or listen to um, 
self-development books, leadership books, podcasts, maybe this one. Um, And those types of resources can be incredibly helpful because they invite you to um, pay attention to things, to think about things in ways that maybe you haven't considered before. And so um, self-development books, leadership books, podcasts, those sorts of things can be incredibly helpful. Um, also, as part of that, ask for specific feedback. So one of the things that we know is that women are less likely to get critical feedback Um, that can help them improve as opposed to men. And so it's really important, especially for women, but definitely for everyone, but especially important for women to ask for specific critical feedback and then incorporate it. Okay, so this is where self-awareness is really important. So do you have a sense of what you need to work on? And if so, ask for specific feedback in these areas. And then like if you get vague feedback, press your supervisor to be more specific, to make it actionable so that you can really benefit from the feedback you're receiving. And if you're a supervisor, right, if you're a leader in a position where you're giving feedback to people, make sure the feedback is specific. Make sure that your feedback is consistent uh, for men and for women. Maybe you need to use a form because we we do know consistently women get less critical feedback. Their feedback is way more vague than the feedback given to men. And there are several reasons um, for that. Um, but if you are the one seeking feedback, ask for specific actionable feedback. It will um, help you grow much more. And then um, again, from Wayne Baker from University of Michigan, he identified five lessons for how to ask for help at work and then also how organizations can create environments where asking for help is encouraged. So let's look at some of these lessons. I think they're really good um, and can provide some really nice guidance for us. So lesson one. Um, earn responses to your request by generously helping others in the first place. So, right, be a giver before you make requests. And I actually, I love that one because, you know, don't just go in expecting help without also contributing. So build a positive reputation as someone who helps others. Reputation really, really matters, of course. We all know that. Be someone who others want to help. Be seen as a helper and more than that, actually be a helper. Um, Others will not hesitate to help you when you have a need. Um, And, you know, I think you'll find this is true. You probably already know this, that others are more than willing to help when it's your turn. Um, Research has found the effects of reputation, though, are short lived. So be aware of that. An old reputation for helpfulness gets you nothing. So you have to be consistent in your reputation for um, helping. So you got to be consistent as a helper. So I think that was an interesting um caveat. So no one and done here, right? Helpfulness is a way of life. It's something that you need to do consistently. 
And the other point here is that we are hardwired to help one another. It's how we survived as a species. And so others will definitely notice your helping behavior. And the, the norm of reciprocity is so incredibly powerful for us as humans that if you help others, you really can expect help in return. Like we really are challenging a huge social norm to not... Um, to not reciprocate help when it's given to us. Um, and of course, this also generates a psychological benefit for those wary of reaching out. So it's easier to reconcile asking for help when you have been helpful. So reciproc reciprocity is a very powerful law. So then lesson two, know what you want. And this, I think this is really important. Be specific in your request. I get requests all the time and sometimes they are so vague that it's just not helpful. And, you know, you don't want to, um, you don't want to put more of a burden on the people, on the person that you're requesting help from. And so you've got to do your work first and um, be specific in your request. Um, what are you actually asking for? And don't put that burden on the person you are making the request of. That is not fair. That's not reasonable to them. That's, that's lazy. That's a lazy ask um, of that other person or, or of you. Um, so focus on a specific project, write down your goals for it and take the most important goal and list the action steps and the resources needed to achieve it. So these are some recommendations from Baker at, um, UMish. So consider using, um, the smart framework for goal setting. So write like outline your goal and then the objectives for it. Um, and then, you know, what might be the steps to that goal? And then how could this person be helpful for you? Like, do you need help on one of those objectives? Do you need help on um, brainstorming? Do you need help on, um, on the goal itself? Like, what exactly do you need help with? So you've got to do your work first. And then the third lesson, and this is from Baker again, ask smartly. So SMART is an acronym. So a well-formulated request is SMART. So it's specific. It's meaningful. So why do you need it? Give a rationale. It's action-oriented. Ask for something to be done. Um, it's real. So it's authentic. It's not made up. I like that one. So um, it's time bound. When do you need it? And a smart request is easier to respond to than one that misses one or more than the five criteria. So the more specific you can be with your ask, the more useful the help will be. So again, don't make your helper do more work than you're doing. This will be breed resentment and they probably will just say no. I would. Um, okay, and then lesson four, don't assume you know who and what people know. I love this one because, um, right, like 
people are willing to leverage their networks and people underestimate the willingness of others to help. So that's according to research. So the fact is you never know what people know or how they can help you until you ask. So don't prejudice what others know. Just ask instead. And it builds bridges and collaboration. So even if they can't help directly, often they are willing to tap into their personal and professional networks. So it's actually really interesting. Um, my husband, um, this was a while ago, actually like maybe a month ago or something, he asked me to um, collaborate with a colleague of his regarding um, a professional um, question. And, you know, we, uh, we had a great, a career question and we had a great conversation about that. And then at the end of that conversation, I said, you know what, you, sh- this, this other person, one, someone in my network would be a really great person for you to talk to. And so then I connected, um, this individual with, you know, someone in my network and, you know, hopefully now they've had a chance to connect. And it's, it's so great because, you know, you just, you connect people to um, the networks that can be really useful for them. And, you know, I was really happy to do that um, for this individual. And he was really grateful for that, um, for that support. And it's really great because it does build bridges and it builds collaboration. And, you know, that was not difficult at all for me. And I, you know, I was happy to support that. And of course, you know, my husband was really grateful um, that I had taken that time. And, you know, hopefully that will, you know, be helpful for him in his career um, development. So, um, so be willing to help and don't assume um, that you, that you know, how people can help you because you just don't. So just be willing to ask them. Okay. And then lesson five, create a culture where asking for help is encouraged. And I love this one. So be a learner, not a knower. So make it easy to ask for help by setting the tone, norms, and practices in the work environment. And this is really where we want to think about psychological safety. Is it okay to not have it all figured out? Is it okay to ask questions or are you shamed if you ask questions? Are you criticized if you ask questions? Are you judged if you ask questions? Are you labeled if you ask questions? So this is where um, the, the psychology of leadership skills are so incredibly important. Do you have a culture of learning and vulnerability where shame is not tolerated or rewarded, but people are invited and encouraged to ask for help. So do you have meetings where there is a free exchange of ideas? Do you have consultation meetings where open questions, debate, concerns um, are invited and encouraged? So for instance, design teams, consultation teams, you know, creating the expectation of no perfect products, the expectation of feedback, um, you know, those sorts of things. So this is where it's helpful to examine your processes and the structure of your day-to-day work life and just look at um, 
look at that structure and say, do we, you know, does our structure actually support asking for help? Or are we so tightly structured? Are our meetings so tightly structured that there's no room for questions, right? And probably not every meeting, but is there some room? So, you know, our team, we actually changed the structure of our consultation meetings this year to actually accommodate more room for um, open questions and supportive um, consultation because we just, we felt like it was a little too structured and we wanted more room for that. And that's been a really nice shift for our team. So of course we must have um, psychological safety where it's safe to get it wrong, to be vulnerable, to ask questions and to receive support. And leaders can model this by acknowledging their own questions and vulnerability. And so this has a powerful effect on those that they lead in the positive, right? So leaders who can show up as learners with their own questions and vulnerability really have a positive effect on those they lead. So one of the questions you can ask is, you know, what are you doing to help the new employee be successful? So this this could be a question that you ask the team at a meeting. What's everyone doing to help, you know, the new employee, of course, say his or her name, to be successful? This can be a really great question because it brings ownership home, that we're all in this together, we're all invested in the growth of this new employee, and it makes it safer for this individual to reach out for help because this individual knows that every person has some ownership or has some stake in his or her success at the company. So I think that's kind of a cool question to consider um, when you have a new employee come on board. Like, what is each individual going to do to support you in this new role? I just, I just love it. Like, I just think it's, um, it's a nice statement of like, I'm here, and and this is how I'm going to show up for you. I, I think it's pretty cool. Okay, and then, you know, the next thing that we want to pay attention to is this idea of community, right? So having a community will absolutely strengthen your leadership. So I want you to think about your resources. So what resources do you have within your organization, within your community, online, professionally, personally, you know, maybe you have formal relationships with a mentor, a supervisor, a sponsor. Maybe you have informal relationships with friends, neighbors, peers, colleagues. Maybe you have an accountability group. Maybe you have um, developmental relationships. So this is from Murphy. Um, Women may be in particular need of strong development networks as compared to men, depending on the cultural and social expectations from childhood that may hinder the development of women as leaders. So this is from some research on developmental relationships and just noting that women in particular really benefit from having a strong community of other female leaders 
to support their leadership journey. Um, because, right, for many women, they they don't necessarily um, get those cultural and social messages in childhood around leadership. And depending on the work environment, they may not have a lot of examples or a lot of peer support. And so sometimes, especially for women, you may need to be more intentional about building that kind of community for yourself. So um, you also want to think about specific people who can advance and support your career development. And this includes, you know, both career and, you know, psychosocial support. So like in your personal life. So some of the kinds of developmental relationships that women in particular can benefit from include, you know, maybe um, a coach, a counselor, um, a, a leadership coach, a mentor, um, peer groups, accountability groups, um, a sponsor, online um, educational courses that have a coaching component or a group component, um, a tutor. So there's all sorts of options. There are so many online options at this point that it's really um broken this wide open. And I think it's actually very exciting. But I think the important thing to pay attention to is the need to be intentional about how you build your community, because what what's going to fit for one person might not be a great fit for you. And so um, the other thing I would say about this is don't leave your growth and learning to others to create for you. Um, When you see needs for yourself, be proactive about developing your potential. And so I hope that this has been helpful for you because, you know, here's the thing, the, the most effective leaders ask for help and asking for help will definitely make you a better leader. And hopefully the things that I've shared today will um, help you Um, take courage and take strength in um, being more authentic and leaning into that vulnerability and asking for help at work. And I'm so excited because right now I've got a free masterclass. It's happening right now. Registration is open and the link to register is on um, the show notes. So With that masterclass, I'm actually focusing on some of these specific issues. And so the masterclass is all about helping you reach your leadership potential. And so I'm talking about three keys to really help you thrive without feeling overwhelmed, depleted, or alone. And one of the three keys that I'm focusing on is how do you build a community of support so that you're not alone on your leadership journey because, oh my goodness, having a strong um, community of peers can make all the difference. Leadership is hard enough, but you do not have to do it alone. And especially when so many of us are working from home, it can feel kind of isolating, um, but you don't need to do it alone. And so I hope you will consider um, joining me for this free masterclass. Like I said, it's happening right now and registration is opened. 
So I hope you will consider um, joining me for that masterclass. So make sure you head on over to my website. Um, you can register for that masterclass there at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 71. One more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 71. I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care. Mm-hmm.